Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Spiraling Higher podcast. Today, we have an extremely exciting guest. She is a professional astrologer and Forbes 30 under 30 recognized entrepreneur known for distilling the ancient wisdom of the stars into practical tools and powerful conversations. Her work has been featured in Mantra Magazine, Well and Good, Target, and so much more. She has personally given me and Gina incredible birth chart readings that have literally changed my life. I can honestly say she is my favorite astrologer. Welcome to the show, Ocean. Thank you so much for having me. We are so stoked. Um, How are you feeling today? I feel good. I'm already noticing cancer season drop in. My partner came Mm -hmm. out of his office the other day and was like, what do you think about redesigning the whole house? I'm like, hello, cancer (laughs) season. (laughs) That's so crazy because Gina is a cancer. Yes. Happy birthday month. Thank you so much. I didn't even realize that our launch date was on the start of cancer season. And so I'm actually really curious to dive into what that even means uh, for people who are cancer sign, but also for everybody else. So um, I I can't wait to dive into that. Yeah, we're going to get to all the signs. But before we do that, Ocean, I know that you used to be in the tech industry. So I remember reading your bio before I hired you for a reading. And I was so impressed because you're 25, if I'm correct. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am. And before like t- before 20, you had some crazy grant that was given to you to start some startup. And you were like you were like a Silicon Valley like prodigy. And then <laughs> you made this pivot into astrology. And so I'm kind of curious, what transit were you going through when you decided to dissolve this tech career? And, and how did this kind of manifest into your current life today? That's a great question. So Yes, I had a national youth culture magazine and tandem social activism app that I got the Teal Fellowship for, which is a $100,000 grant from Peter Teal to skip college and build a business instead. So at the time, it felt like the kind of once in a lifetime opportunity that you'd be crazy to say no to. But there was always this tickle in the back of my throat and the pit of my stomach that was like, Mm. you know, I don't know if this is totally the direction that you want to take your life forever. But when something like that falls in your lap, the world tells you you'd be crazy not to do it. And Mm. it was Mm. an invaluable experience. And I met incredible people. And it was a really powerful chapter of my life. But that tickle, that feeling in my gut kind of rose back up to the surface right around the time of my Saturn square around age 20, like maybe six months before my 21st birthday. And this is basically a mini Saturn return. So we all have kind of heard the blanket 
term of a Saturn return is a massive turning point in everyone's life around age 29 to 30. But actually, every seven years, Saturn basically sets up a karmic checkpoint in your life and says you need to address anything that is not working right now. So if Mm. you look at your age right now and if it's divisible by seven, give or take any give or take a year, then you might be at one of those turning points to anyone listening. And so anyway, Mm. that's where I was. I was at Mm. one of those checkpoints with my life lesson with Saturn going, hey, you know what? Something is not working. And if you don't change it now, you are going to have to carry out this story for longer than your soul signed up to do so. So I sunsetted the company. I ended a very serious relationship. My first serious relationship, we were living together. We spent holidays with our families together. I was so in over my head playing this race to the end because there's also a lot of pressure in the startup world on achieving things really young. So I felt like I was cosplaying as a 40-year-old. I was like, I'm 20 years old (laughs) in a Soho apartment, in a serious relationship, raising venture capital in a boardroom in Hearst Tower in Midtown. And I kind of just want to be making music and talking about the stars. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But you probably thought to yourself at the time, that's not reasonable. Or like, that would be crazy. It seems like when we actually follow our heart, it just sounds crazy crazy because it's not Mm. the thing that we normally do. And so anyways, I'm curious to know what kind of, what was the straw that broke the, what do they say? Camel's back. The camel's back. Yeah. The camel's back. How did you actually muster up the courage to leave? Because you're right. It was such an incredible opportunity. You were just foraging like, like a fire through the Silicon Valley. How did you decide? No, not for me. I was at a turning point where the tech portion of my company was going to need a lot more funding to reach that benchmark of success that was like, okay, this is worth doing. And I saw so many of my peers immersed in the funding process, kind of not selling their soul away, but (laughs) missing out on life around them because of this idea of success attached to, you know, did you hear, you know, what their cap was and all. And I was like, I don't care. That's the problem. I don't care about any of this. And I think the straw that broke the camel's back was me admitting to myself that I was playing a part. Not being authentic, right? And just playing that role that would seem probably so, yeah, like acceptable to a lot of other people. Yeah, and that small version of you. I think asking yourself the question of, do I even want to do this? You know, I feel like so many people are in a job that might look good on paper or might be very respectable for the people around them, but they often don't even ask themselves, do I even enjoy doing this? And so many people are all about doubling their income and doubling the business, but but why? Like, what? why do you have to do that? And what right, is that actually what? bringing you? Yeah. And instead of pursuing those things that are, that are just innate interest in you. And I find that the innate interest stuff for us is tends to be the stuff that we spend the least of time, the least amount of time doing. Um, I'll use myself as an example. I love singing. And I used to sing all the time when I was trying to pursue music. And as soon as I stopped pursuing music, I never sang again. 
And why? And it's because it doesn't make me money. I'm not actually going to become a singer. Like, what would be the point in spending all of this time singing? And now I sing all the time. I actually have karaoke sessions by myself and (laughs) I'll just sing at home. And it's an intentional time for me to just dive into something that brings me so much joy for no other reason than because it's almost like playtime, like a kid, right? Just pure fun. I love that. And that's it was exactly part of my process. It was like, what parts mm. of myself am I denying? Because it doesn't mm. fit into the mo the model or or um or mold of success that has been projected or expected around me. And and to your point, like all of the interests that I wanted to pursue were things that historically are not considered real careers or considered yeah. moonshot goals or out of reach or just kind of, if you had told me five years ago that I'd be full-time between astrology and music, I might not have even believed you because that's how programmed I was into thinking that they weren't real careers or I couldn't make money doing them. And the further I got into astrology, the more I debunked my own conditioning because it really does show where we're meant to shine and where's the growth edge. Where does it get uncomfortable? And then what are the tools to dig deeper and follow that discomfort and pull on the end of that thread until you get to the root of it? And as soon as I started studying astrology, it was like everything started unfolding at once. I was realizing my purpose while I was doing my purpose, feeling validated. Mm. And that was, it's a beautiful feeling. And and I think that's why I love doing readings and I love this work because if I get to watch someone else discover their purpose in real time or feel validated with the decisions that are pressing in their lives right now, that's one of the greatest gifts in this human experience that I think we can give each other and experience. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but it gives me full body no. chills to think about. I had full no. chills. Oh my God. I mean, Ocean, you're you're such a gift. I mean, first of all, you've given me and Gina readings, which have blown our minds, but you are also the astrologer with inside of inside of my program. And you saw everyone's faces as you gave them those mini birth chart readings, because obviously we had been meeting every single week and we all know and are familiar with what they're going through. You know, the ones who are going through career things, relationship things, health things. And you just called everyone out. You were like, okay, your Saturn (laughs) is in your midheaven. And so have you been experiencing shifts in your career? And like one of the girls is like, I just quit my job. And it's like, it's so incredible because I think that for me, especially, and I think for so many, and I'm sure for yourself, and Gina, astrology has been this cosmic permission slip to just trust what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that the chart can almost not predict, but how does the chart show us what we're meant to experience? You know, what lessons we're supposed to be learning? How can we really use the chart as this tool for self-inquiry instead of just like, like you said, confirmation bias? Right. So the first thing I want to acknowledge is that since astrology has been around for thousands of years, there are understandably a lot of interpretations, a lot of different styles. Mm -hmm. So it's important to find one that works for you. Now, I practice esoteric astrology, which is the study of the soul. And in this perspective of astrology, your chart is a roadmap to your soul agreements in this lifetime. So it's not saying that anything is predetermined for you. Free will is still a huge part of esoteric astrology, but it's saying 
If you approach a river, right, and you know that your life force is effortlessly flowing in this one direction, but the world around you is telling you to swim upstream, astrology is the tool that directs you into the energetic current of your own life. So it's not mm. it's not here to say your life is meant to be this thing. This is when you're going to get married. This is when you're going to get your promotion. This is when you're going to die. Like It's not a predictive tool the way that I use it. Mm. It's, hey, if and when you want to change something in your life, here's what you might be naturally really good at. Here's that lesson that keeps following you around in every job and every breakup, that story, that broken record. Here's what that could be. And here's how you can address it. Here's your missing element. Here's the medicine for this situation that you're in. And then you can choose to use it or not. So that line is really important. I always joke, like not using astrology as confirmation bias. It's like, well, is it because you're a Scorpio or are you just a bitch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I think it's important that we create some distance between any tool that we can kind of deflect accountability onto. And so I might joke about you know, Mercury retrograde if I show up late to a meeting, but the traffic has always been there. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, let's let's not make any make any mistake here. Like these transits are the energetic flavor profile of this chapter of your life, but you are still the chef, right? So it's mm. kind of like a transit is like a Hello Fresh box. You get all of these ingredients <laughs> that arrive at your door, but you still have to assemble them. You still have to make the meal, and it's up to you if it tastes good or if it tastes like garbage, you know? Mm. I love that analogy. That was so helpful. Oh my well, gosh. Gina's that... the analogy queen. So she's, <laughs> she's always collecting analogies. I am. Um, I would love to find out from you because obviously it became very clear to you at some point that this is your path. These innate interests that you have and th this desire to help people in this way became so apparent and then you switched. But in that switching season, were you met with a lot of resistance or was it for you a very clear cut? Okay, no. And then you just knew. Did you bounce back and forth? I would love to hear about that chunk of time. That's a fantastic question. Interestingly enough, my experience proves my theory that when we get out of our own way, the universe is conspiring to support us. Because... I was so afraid that I was going to get shit from my mom. I was going to get, you know, blowback from my existing investors, that I was going to regret leaving that relationship. I was going to miss my fancy apartment in Soho. And I left each and every one of those things behind. And I'm not saying there wasn't work and resistance in putting in work to lay the foundation for a new chapter, but it was easy. And mm. something can still require work but feel easy. And that's when I realized I wanted everything to feel easy. And that was my dialogue with the universe. If it doesn't feel easy, it is not meant to happen for me. <laughs> oh, my God. This is crazy because this is this is insane, Ocean. Gina and I have been having this conversation for the past couple of weeks where we're like, we're not here for resistance anymore. <laughs> we're like, as soon as it feels hard, it there's just not something in alignment. We just need to drop it. Like, it's not feeling good. Let's just move on. Because I think that when you are living in alignment with who you are, so your chart, 
It does, it does feel easy, but like you said, that does not mean no work, right? We can put forth a lot of hard work and effort without feeling that sense of resistance. I, mm-hmm. you know, Gina and I both to birth this podcast and for you to birth your um, membership program, it is a lot of work, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel arduous. It doesn't feel boring and ter- like we want to do it. I'm sure you get excited thinking about like what you're going to add into the monthly calls. Like that's, it's exciting, but it's of course work. Absolutely. Yeah, I was just going to add to that in saying that I think it also feels easier because we're so much quicker at knowing when something isn't for us. So I think before we would kind of deal with and put up with and tolerate a lot of difficult things or things that didn't feel right. I know myself included when it comes to hiring somebody even, it was kind of like, well, they're an almost yes. So I'll just hire them because they're almost a yes. And then I would be met with so much resistance and just a lot of you know, quote unquote work or hard work. Whereas now it's a very clear cut. No, this isn't a resounding yes. So it's just a no. And so I feel like we're also not available to the more harder things. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I want to ask you, Ocean, maybe you can answer Gina's question in this too, but you know, how, how do you, or do you at all use astrology to help you make difficult decisions, right? Like how do you know if you are resisting something that is meant for you or Mm. if it really just is a no Mm. what's what's your process for that so there are a few different i interface with my chart like it's a council of elders like each planet Mm. is a member of my almost like internal like board of directors where I get to interface with them and ask for their wisdom and sit with them. Much like how people who are into tarot will meditate on the meaning of a specific card, right? If they need the faith to make a big leap, they might meditate with the fool card, right? So I sometimes interface with the planets in that way. And the the placements in my chart for instance, Saturn is a stand-in for the life lesson, the accountability, the 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 stern kind of um, right from wrong in a soul sense of who you are and what you came here to do. And that's why Saturn returns are such a doozy because you're face-to-face mm-hmm. with Saturn, right? And so I will sit down with a decision and go, does this honor or betray my Saturn life lesson? right? Mm. Does this advance the agreement that I made in this life? Or does this decision feel like a regression back on my life lesson? And if a decision passes the Saturn check, then I proceed to like the next round of self-inquiry. And then on a more interpersonal level, um, I like to use the nodes as almost scales for decision making. So uh, tell us more about the nodes, because that's actually one aspect of astrology that I I really don't understand. Yes. North node, south node. Yeah. (laughs) So the north node is your shortcut to true soul fulfillment. But there's a catch. The catch is that it's uncomfortable and takes work and discipline to activate. Now, We're just laughing because Gina's had to overcome some really difficult <laughs> lessons to be her true self. And uh, anyways, continue. So Gina, your uncomfortable growth edge is around using your voice and advocating for yourself. Is that true? <laughs> oh my God. Her head is literally in her hands. <laughs> my head is literally hanging down because yes. And I think that's the confirmation I got from you in our reading. It has been just the common thread from 
pretty much from birth, you know, from when I could become conscious in talking from childhood until now. Mm. Yeah. So before we move on, Gina, your north node is in Gemini, right, which Mm. is an air sign and it rules the throat chakra. And it's all about can you speak up for yourself even when it's uncomfortable and can you give validity to your own ideas, to your own genius, right? Because it's in the house of expansion and exploration. So when you advocate for yourself, the whole world becomes possible. The sky is just the starting point for you when you use your voice and activate air in your birth chart. My brain is exploding. (laughs) Okay, so Ocean, you you wouldn't know this, but we have been talking about Gina's throat chakra for probably three years. No way! <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even yes. kidding. Like it's it's a thing, right? Her throat chakra. I mean, you can tell us, Gina, but it's it's been blocked for so long. And you had a medical intuitive session where they were like, "Your throat, <laughs> it just keeps coming up." I mean, I've had um, Ayurvedic sessions. I've had you know, other astrology sessions. I've had um, Reiki sessions. I've done the medical medium. And every single time, they just see so much blockage in my throat chakra. Mm. And it's funny because even with the singing, singing is one of the ways that we can open that up. And one of my ways that I've silenced myself is actually through my singing because that was very – it was disapproved by my family. And I was so fearful of putting myself out there, so I silenced that voice. Mm. And I can now actually have the awareness of all of the things that I've swallowed, all of the thoughts and all of the unspoken words and the betrayal of self, honestly, of not speaking my truth. And now that I'm starting to do that, I literally feel like a a different person. Mm. And yesterday I was bawling to Sam because I'm finally doing certain things in my life that are speaking my truth in ways that I've never done before. And all I could hear from that inner child and that inner self was like, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm going to start crying right now, I think. But it was just having that feeling of finally opening that up and learning from you that this is just a karmic lesson really gave me so much more compassion within myself from why am I like this to, oh, I'm like this because of, you know, these reasons. It kind of gave more, um, I guess, purpose to it versus me beating myself up for thinking there's something wrong with me. Wow. That is so beautiful. And what's really fascinating about the the flip side of this, right? Every North has a South. So if activating your voice and advocating for yourself and trusting your own ideas is the growth edge. That's your shortcut to true fulfillment. That is where you are the most aligned when you're doing that, right? The mm-hmm. South Node is the soul's comfort zone. It represents something that we've mm. each already mastered in a past life, and that's why it feels like a comfort zone in this life, right? Because right. it's the default. When we backslide in situations of grief or stress or trauma, we typically reach for our South Node because it's the most familiar thing to us in the birth chart. So you can think of the South Node as your karmic comfort zone. And so in your case, what's fascinating about you two being partners is that you, your North Node, Gina, is, is Sam's South Node and Sam's no. South Node is your North Node. So you Stop. are- Stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What? Because we've always felt like this perfect puzzle piece. Oh my! Sorry, Ocean. Continue. Okay, We're just please continue. Out. Sorry. 
So I really wanted to validate and affirm the fact that you two are encouraging each other to step into your North nodes by reflecting that back to each other. How beautiful is that? I think I'm going to start crying. I'm so going to start crying. We've always said that in a lot of ways, I feel like our strengths and weaknesses really balance each other, you know, and the lessons that she's learning in her life tend to be the lessons that I can really help her into growing and and vice versa. The things that I really struggle with are a lot of her strengths. And and what's even crazier is our mother-child relationships are very mirrored. Mm. My daughter Mm. was born the day before day after Sam's birthday. And in within that tr- relationship, she really sees, Sam sees me as her mom and Sam's a lot like my daughter. And so even in that, there's been so much healing for me as a mother because I see Sam at, in, within my child. And for Sam, she's been able to heal her inner child in seeing me as the mom. Mm, um, I don't know if I explained that well enough, but <laughs> um, this just feels, I mean, I, I Wait, have no words. so this is insane. So what is my south node. Oh, Gemini? Gemini is my south node? Yes. So, Gina, your south node is Sagittarius, right? So the comfort zone is that you've been a big picture thinker and an explorer to some degree in a past life, right? And now you're here to really concentrate those ideas and communicate them and focus more on the operational and the day-to-day and the Gemini focus as opposed to the huge, like, vastness of Sag and to not get lost in what would be or what could happen, right? So your south node, the comfort zone for you, Gina, might be jumping to worst case scenarios or things feeling bigger Mm -hmm. than they are or getting lost in what could be and talking yourself out of a dream because it feels unattainable or out of reach. Oh my God. (laughs) Speak on it, Gina. Confirm <laughs> well, it. Confirm I it. Mean, it. It's so true because I'll tell you, we recorded our first episode and we actually touched on this in episode two, but we listened to it and I had to stop first of all, because I said, I, I can't, I can't release this. And the bigness of it made me feel like I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I actually told Sam, like, I don't, I'm out of my league. This is not where I belong. This is too big. I'm too small. We, sh- I felt like I was doing her a favor and being a good friend by getting out of the way because mm. I thought I was almost blocking what was really meant for her and not me. And so that resonated so much because it's like the bigness of it makes me feel like I got to run. <laughs> and mm-hmm. obviously none of that was true. And I just remember no. ref- reflecting back to you that you were making a big deal out of nothing, which yeah. I guess is one of my, <laughs> that's one of just, that's just like my energy. I mean, yeah. even when we work together in other other industries, I remember you would just create these scenarios of you'd be you would just be ten steps ahead, which does have its pros. But I would tell you, why are you even thinking about that? We're not even there yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that brings us, Sam, to your North Node and how you two balance each other out, which is that your North Node, Sam, is in the b- go big or go home visionary kind of you know let's 
jump off the cliff and build our parachute on the way down, right? (laughs) And so (laughs) your North Node and your pursuit and your existence at the threshold of your North Node, which I feel so clearly from you, from both of you, is the big ideas, the potential, the expansiveness of what could be. And then Gina's got the Gemini opposition to go, okay, but here's actually how that happens. And from A to B, this is what's needed. And then And if we get too caught in the dregs here, then the big idea goes, okay, let's just elevate out of this and you reinstill hope and inspiration and Gina lands the plane and makes sure that there's a plan. And so (laughs) you two balance each other out in your own karmic agreements. (laughs) Wow. I mean, this is just so mind blowing because so we've been talking about getting you to, to, we were like, can we ask astrology to tell us the astrology of us is like, is that lame? (laughs) But we've been talking about this for years because it just felt like when we met, I don't know, it it was like our, our souls or something recognized each other. I'm imagining that scene in the the show Lost when Mm. they all like remember each other. They have those moments of recognition. They're like, oh, and they like remember their life. It reminded me of that because when I met Gina, it felt so surreal because I never physically met this person before, yet I knew her Mm. and you knew me immediately. It was the strangest thing. And so it's, it's no surprise now looking back at how everything has kind of unfolded, how we got here, how this came into fruition. It seems like it was just truly meant to be, but you know, for someone who is really skeptical about purpose and astrology, Mm. how would you explain, how would you explain that? How would you use astrology as a tool to help explain to someone, um, their life path or kind of what lessons they're here to learn, who is just very divorced from all of this stuff. Yeah. Mm. So the first thing I would say to someone who's like, I don't believe in astrology is I'd say, well, great, me neither. And the reason for that is that astrology is not a belief system. So right away, we're in agreement. Let's start there, right? Wow. From there, we recognize that even the godfather of modern psychology, Carl Jung, was a practicing astrologer who did the birth charts of every single client he had. And actually, his daughter would construct the birth charts for his clients, right? That was edited out of Western medicine revisional history. (gasps) But it's important to know that the godfather of modern Western psychology was also a practicing astrologer, right? So let's start there. Fact two, Right. Fact three, if you've ever taken the five love languages quiz, the Enneagram, human design, it's just another tool in your toolbox to optimize the self, to have greater self-awareness, to be in deeper sense of safety, security, control, and peace with who you are and where you're going and what you're working with. And the most innovative thought leaders of our time are at the boundary-pushing nature of their their respective industries because if there is a tool available to them to optimize, they're not going to say, that's dumb, Mm, been there, done Mm -hmm. that, or oh my gosh, that's that's bullshit, right? The most innovative, Mm -hmm. thought-provoking leaders of our time are at that boundary-pushing 
edge because on the leading edge exactly yes. because they use what is available and they're not going to rebuke something because it conflicts with their ego or their childhood doctrine right so and that really speaks to the number of high profile clients that I am aware of who practice astrology, both with my mentor and some with me that I can't name for confidentiality reasons, but people that you would go, they're into astrology, right? Mm. I mean, they're even on record. Some U.S. presidents had astrologers to help them time out major diplomatic or, mm-hmm. um, you know, policy decisions. So I think the reframe is if all you know about astrology is the horoscope in the Sunday paper, right? Don't let your first taste of something turn you off from the whole cuisine, right? My first time trying tofu was not indicative of my now love of tofu, which I make almost every day in every possible way, right? Right. But if, you know, someone is trying tofu for the first time and it's just a piece of uncooked, unseasoned tofu, which I actually now like, ironically. But for someone who's <laughs> never had tofu, they'd be like, what is this? Right? You're so right. And you're like, you're so no, right. no, no, no. You can marinate it. You can air fry it. You can do it on the stove. You can put it in the oven. You can put it with vegetables. You can put it with rice. You can do anything with tofu. Tofu is amazing. But imagine mm. someone who just looks at a piece of like pale white jiggly tofu and goes, <laughs> that's not for me. Right? How right. ignorant is that? <laughs> so, I mean, 100%. And I think astrology, just like with any tool framework, it really is like the more you know, the less you know. And mm. I love that because the people who I hear say like, oh, yeah, that's stupid. I'm like, you don't know anything. Because they clearly, <laughs> they, they just clearly haven't looked into it because the more, the more you dive in, the bigger the hole gets. I mean, for me, astrology did start out literally with the Sunday paper, like I was a child and I was reading it, but Mm -hmm. I have a lot of Aries in my chart. So looking at my Aries sun sign horoscope, I was like, yes, that's me. And then I remember feeling so discouraged when other people in my friendship circles would say, oh, like, I don't, I don't align with mine. Like, I don't believe in mine. And then later on, I'm getting older and learning, oh, like you're not just your sun sign. There's the rising sign, the moon sign, the mercury. So I learned about like all of those signs. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. But then like you said about the president's planning those political events. I mean, I would listen to those. um, Who isn't on YouTube? I think her name is Pam. Pam does those like forecasts for the year Mm. where she'll talk about, um, and I don't know if you do those as well, Ocean, where she'll just talk about um, like Jupiter entering this. And so we should see this kind of, activity happening maybe in the stock market, like in financial markets. And uh, we might see this in terms of like the social climate. And I'm always so incredibly amazed at how it lines up, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's not a exact prediction because that's not the point, right? It's a tool. It's, it's really honestly pattern recognition, I think, overall. Right. right. And what's fascinating to me is that astrology has been around for thousands and thousands of years. And, you know, in terms of keeping track of the planets, it is pattern recognition, right? It's not saying because, you know, this is here that this is going to happen. It's over thousands of years when this is here, these types of things have tended to happen. So now we've created a narrative around how to work with that, how to anticipate it, right? Mm. It's like, the weather app isn't saying there's a 60% chance of rain. It's saying that 60% of that area will experience rainfall. 
Yeah, I just learned that last year and I've been blowing people's mind with that fact. I'm like, right? guys, did you know that it's not a 60% chance it's going to rain? It's it, And people think I'm literally shitting them. And I'm like, no, this is a literal fact. Right. So if you know that 60% of your neighborhood is going to experience rainfall, then you're going to pack a raincoat. Right. And it's the same with transits. If you know statistically mm. that when Saturn makes a full return around every 29 to 30 years, that life can get hard, that big decisions come to the surface, that it's a massive turning point, then you're probably going to batten down the hatches in your own life. You're going to start getting your shit together. Right. You're going to put on your cosmic raincoat. And so mm. this, this combination of prediction and soulful inquiry is one of the most specific and simultaneously abstract. To your point, we live in a universe that is constantly expanding, and astrology is a representation of that because the more you learn, the more you realize there's so much more to learn about astrology. And I learn new things all the time, and I've gone to school for this, and I've done thousands of hours of practice, and I love the fact that I can learn something new just by talking to someone and find extrapolating that information from their chart. That is the coolest thing ever that there is always another stone to turn over. Um, and to your point, Sam, with your North Node and Sag, Sag is also the sign that is here to learn and tell stories and teach and inspire. And so you, like your fascination with astrology from an early age especially makes so much sense because astrology scratched the itch of your north node yes i mean oh, I I've, I've always been a super fan and um i think that when you dive into astrology and with an open mind and a lot of curiosity it just it just makes me realize that everything is so much bigger than me mm -hmm. it's like how how egoic and small of me to think that this isn't what's happening or this, that this doesn't have an effect on me. Like I'm a yeah. tiny, tiny, tiny human on one singular planet. And I just, I think about how big like Jupiter is. Like I think you told um, me and the massive manifestation members that we, that Jupiter was going to go into Aries mm -hmm. and that's a huge planet. Mm -hmm. You know, I almost feel that it's almost like preposterous to not believe that you wouldn't feel something energetically from the enormous electromagnetic field that is like passing through. Yeah. Like how could you not feel that? Yeah, we're just we're just here experiencing this and it is so incredible like you said that this is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. You know, this is not relevant. It obviously is a bit trendy at the t at the moment, just like manifestation, but like these things are they've been around. Yeah. Right? They're not new. <laughs> right. And I have a lot of Aries in my chart as well and I yes. think that that Part of it being so trendy right now, I kind of have a funny story about that. I was approached <laughs> by a big astrology company that shall remain unnamed, and they had acquired a company that I was doing work for as um, like doing like their content overview of what to expect and where the transits are and, you know, like a really in-depth analysis of the planets. And um, <laughs> they were acquired and the parent company approached me and I had to sit down with some of their executives on Zoom. And it was all white men, Silicon Valley bros. And I had like a, like a PTSD. <laughs> you were like, taken back. It was alarming because I was like, no, I did all of this to get away from you. 
And now you're coming into my arena. What the heck? (laughs) And so it was really funny. Like, my Aries probably came out a little stronger. For anyone who's not familiar, Aries is a very straightforward, very brash, get straight to the point, don't waste my time, say it like I see it kind of thing. And I was like, okay, so how long have you three men been into astrology? And they're like, <laughs> well, you know. And, and he's like, well, I'm a Scorpio and I'm a... And I'm like... Please, this is not playtime. We're not introducing ourselves yeah. at daycare here. I don't care that you know your sun sign. I care that you're three white men who weren't interested in astrology until there was financial gain and you could pitch it to PepsiCo. Like, are you kidding wow. me? Mm-hmm. Insert some big money giant behind them. I don't know. But right. the reality was the phases and the trends will come and go but the lessons the work the the heart of astrology right will live on and i think that it's really mm. important that we prioritize voices and platforms that speak to the integrity of the practice and aren't just looking to make a quick buck that aren't just going oh here's a really trendy topic let me make a sexy app and then raise a bunch of venture capital but not have any astrologers on our core team you know mm-hmm. and that's my Aries I mean, coming out in defense of this yeah. thing that I believe so much <laughs> in and that I love so much and I've seen the real power and impact that it can make and I'm always gonna stand up and say you know what that's ridiculous <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I think you're an Aries rising right yeah <laughs> yeah makes sense <laughs> and moon and moon and moon that's right that's why we ended up getting paired because i'm a double aries as well i'm Mm -hmm. sun and moon Mm -hmm. yeah but you're a pisces sun correct yes so then i go and i cry about it and i feel really bad (laughs) later (laughs) (laughs) well it's so funny because i think another way that sam and i are such mirrors is that she is obviously very intellectual and needs to understand things on an intellectual level first and Mm. then she feels them i'm all feeling first I won't even know what it means intellectually, but I'll feel it first and then I can learn the intellectual side. So Mm. that's another way that we've been Mm. yin and yang. And speaking of that, sorry. Go ahead, Ocean. Well, you asked, what if we did the astrology of us? And while you were talking, I pulled up your synastry chart between the two of you. And I wanted to elaborate on that, if that's okay. (laughs) Please. Yes. Before you do that, what is the synastry chart for someone who's listening? Ooh, yes. So let's start with a birth chart is basically a screenshot of our solar system the moment you were born turned into a map that shows the relationship between the planets with the language of astrology to deduce what that forecast might mean for you and your life. Right. So we have this kind of soulful roadmap and we all have one. And they're so individualized that it would take thousands and thousands of years for your chart to ever be duplicated. So I feel so unique. (laughs) It is. That's why, side note, I love astrology so much. And I love all of these other forms of self-inquiry like human design, yada, yada, uh, Myers-Briggs. But there are Mm. millions of ENFJs, right? There is only one Samantha. There is only one Gina through astrology. And that's why I love it because Mm. it gets so hyper-specific. I digress. So you have this. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You have this birth chart. Now, what if you wanted to know how your energy interfaced with another birth chart? (laughs) Sinistry 
lays both charts on top of each other, lined up so that you see where your planets are basically talking to each other, where you light up that other person's chart, what aspects you make when you combine each other's blueprints. And so the first thing that jumps out at me about your synastry chart, which is a word for relationship astrology, which can be done between friends, co-workers, co-founders, mother, daughter, husband, wife, anybody, you two have a deep, soulful, emotional body connection that explains why you have initiated so much healing and growth for each other. Because when we put your charts together, there is a grand trine in water. Oh my God. I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> this is emotional. <laughs> it is. And so what we see here, right, when we combine, when we combine Sam's Mercury in Pisces with Gina's Mars in Scorpio and Sun in Cancer, right? Those are three points that are each 120 degrees apart, forming a perfect triangle. This is sacred geometry in astrology. The grand trine is the highest activation and utmost potential of a single element. And water is the element of creativity, healing, intuition, emotions, manifestation. My mouth is wide open. Oh my God. Like, okay, this is, okay, this, this is why, this is why I'm obsessed with astrology because every time I hear you speak, Ocean, I mean, you're an incredible person to really distill these topics and explain them with such integrity. But every time you explain things, I'm like, it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> like what I cannot often put into words right? Like our, like, why did we feel that way when we met each other? It was mm -hmm. so weird. It felt like mm -hmm. the ground just like, I don't know, it was like an earthquake almost, but mm -hmm. internally, you know, I always wonder how do I explain that? And then we doubted ourselves after we met, we we're like, oh, that was weird. Like, uh, like what? Like, we're not like, that's so <laughs> random. She's a stranger. Like, why do I feel this way? Like this, we're just going to be normal. Like I'm not even gonna text her back. Like we were just being so <laughs> weird because this was so to the conscious mind, so unexplainable, but I feel that astrology is the one tool framework that can best explain these things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know like that i mean because that just gave me chills i'm like that makes sense we never knew this yeah and it doesn't oh, we definitely stop didn't there. know that but i also sorry oh, go ahead oh, gina oh, oh. <laughs> i was just gonna say i i need to let you know that the way that you explain things like sam was saying it it is such a special and unique way of explaining. And I feel like, I mean, Sam has been into astrology since I've, I've known her and I was into it, but really all, I was one of those people that just knew that I was a cancer and it resonated so deeply with me because cancer's all over my chart. So I, which I didn't even know that there's different elements of your chart, but I guess I just wanted to say thank you for, you know, being, having so much integrity around this and really wanting to deliver the, the true message in it um, and really explaining it in a way that people can actually use it in their life versus just like a horoscope. So mm. I just wanted to say Ocean, thank you. You're the realist. You're the realist. The realist fave, of the real. Fave astrologer. But thank you. Yes. let you continue. Yes, please. I'm, now I'm going to cry. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I... You're so awesome. <laughs> so... We know that you two have this grand trine in water, which means that when you two get together, there is magic 
right? Water is the source of life. Water is how we tap into the intuitive and emotional body to manifest, to create, to tap into divine feminine archetypes, to really be a world building through the emotional integrity of the union of you two, right? And so then we look at the, the hero's journey of your relationship is a cardinal grand cross. So what this means is oh. that all of the cardinal signs are squaring each other in your sinistry chart. And what this all means, of all of them, which means that you two are here to push each other to be leaders. Oh my God. <laughs> You're here to inspire each other, to take up space, to be seen, to be heard, to self-advocate, to be autonomous, to be sovereign in your success, and to do it with the heartfelt integrity and healing and intuition of your water grand shrine. You've got the sweet and the sour to make the perfect recipe for your collaboration, for your friendship, and for your soulful lifetimes long relationship. I'm literally like emotional at the moment. <laughs> Ocean, how do you do this? Well, oh my gosh, that is insane. I think, wow. I mean, hearing you tell us that is so, I mean, it's obviously so validating, right? It explains why we feel what we feel and why our joint creations have felt so effortless. And yes, healing. I mean, we want to now heal other people through these conversations, but first and foremost, we healed each other and it's, wow. I'm like, well, I, <laughs> we, we talk about this all the time that I think that in your life, there are these certain markers, these turning points. Like one of them for me was meeting my husband. Mm. The next one was, you know, having my daughter because I definitely know she was meant to be my child. And another one was meeting Sam because she really was a catalyst for so much of my healing. Mm. And I've, I felt so seen. It was like an immediate recognition of you get me, mm. you know, my pain. I don't need to be any other version than me. We always joke that I'm just me. I feel like I'm just hanging out with me when I'm with you, that there's no Literally. veil. There's no <laughs> you know, editing, there's no filtering and we could just mm -hmm. be fully ourselves, which really wasn't helped us to heal so much quicker and so much more deeply and, and on a, such, a, such a deeper level, because we both were able to just be fully ourselves. And I'll give mm -hmm. you an example, um, even in our relationships, like our, with our parents or with our husbands, usually when you're venting to a friend about that, there's a level of, well, you don't want to say the full amount of what you're feeling because you don't want the other person to then think your dad is terrible or your mom is terrible, your husband's bad. So then it's always, they did this, but it's, it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Sam, I could just say it all without the fear of the added judgment after or the need to re-explain and justify, you know, yeah. how this is not that bad or that. You know what I mean? What were you going to say? We don't I feel like you had. Yeah, we don't justify anything. So in your sinistry, Sam's Mars and Gina's Mercury are conjunct only three degrees apart. So what this means 
is that when there's a conjunction between the mind and the the willpower planets between two people in the sign of vulnerability and sensitivity and emotional depth, it explains why you've had such ease with going deep and being vulnerable with one another, how there is a profound sense of safety within your camaraderie because you mm. have this really tight overlap of these cancer placements that makes it really easy to talk to each other and to get straight to the heart of what's true. And in that in, in and of itself in an interpersonal relationship is so powerful, but then you've got all of this cardinal initiation energy to go share that sense of intimacy and confidentiality and profound space holding with the world because it's not just a container between the two of you. You two are the catalyst for the work, for sharing this with millions of people. With all of that cardinal energy, there is no limitation to how far you can take this together. So I think that speaks volumes to the work you're doing here and let alone the impact that you've had on each other. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is so special. This is so special. Um, I mean, this is really similar to me and Sam's separate sessions with you, where mm -hmm. again, there's a lot of that confirmation of things that you already know. But when this person that is essentially a stranger is looking at just these, these, this piece of data about your, your birth date and the time that you were born, and you're able to extract all of this knowledge about my life and the things that I've experienced, it's like, how can you not mm. see that this is not only real, but actually so helpful in navigating through yeah. your life. It's just, yeah, I, I think the word that came up for me was just, again, confirmation. Like, we already knew this. I know, I know. But just hearing, hearing it um, again or hearing it for the first time through Ocean's perspective really just reminds me how astrology has given me so much trust. Yes. I mean, you, you gave me my reading. I gifted myself a reading last year for my birthday. And we started off, so for anyone who wants to kind of know about their chart, you know, what transits have been significant for them and maybe when to put on that cosmic raincoat. Like Ocean talked about, you should get a reading because you kind of went through with me some major transits. I think they might've been those Saturn squares. You know, you were like, oh, in 2007, like what happened here, you know, in 2014. And then um, you basically told me that between that day I was getting the reading and th literally this month, June, 2022, you were like, you're going to be going through your Saturn return. And so there are going to be some difficult questions that you have to just kind of move through. And you said, just get ready. You said, mm -hmm. but by June of 2022, things are going to look very different. And here we and are. I, I know. And I, and what's crazy is like, I could not, it's not that I didn't believe you, but I just, I just was I didn't have the foresight and I don't think any of us do, which is why you just have to trust that whatever's happening for you is for you and is meant to be. But at that time, I really didn't know what you were talking about. I just mm. thought, okay, like what's, I just kept thinking what's going to be new, what's going to be new. Mm. But I think you just have to surrender that, that peace to the unknown, mm -hmm. right? There is no way for me to know. And I just have to trust. And now looking back on the reading, I can see, ah, okay. It was all there and it was all meant to be there. And there was nothing I could do to, I guess, sabotage it. Like it was mm -hmm. all meant for me the whole time. It was. On that note, uh, sorry, I just wanted to ask on that note, because we're talking about using astrology, you had that knowledge about the future, but wasn't really 
able to connect to that because you can't see the future yet. And now looking at it in the past, it's actually doubly helpful. So I'm just curious in your own practice, Ocean, do you find that you lean more on astrology to deal with past stuff or do you also really lean on it to kind of, you know, deal with what's coming up for you in the future? I love that question. The first thing I do in every reading is I address some of those major karmic checkpoints that Sam mentioned. So at the beginning of the reading, my goal is to establish trust with the client by going, as a complete stranger, I can identify significant pivotal moments in your life to make sure that you feel seen, that you feel like you are perfectly on time in your life, and to establish trust in this process to create a little more collaboration between the left and right brain so that you're not going, is this real or what's going on here? And you can just trust and have a heartfelt experience for the next 50 minutes of our time together. So the beginning of the reading is very much focused on the past to lay a foundation for getting someone to trust the process, because when you trust the process, you get so much more out of it than when your left brain is going, well, is this just nature versus nurture? I'm like, you and I can get into semantics all day, but you've paid to have right. an experience not to debate <laughs> the foundation of this with me, right? Like, right. follow me on TikTok if you want to know that. But otherwise, <laughs> you, you just invested in this experience. So it's my job to earn your trust and to validate the deepest parts of you that you already innately know. And similar to each of your mm. points, I'm not saying anything that you two don't already know because I am speaking to the innate nature of you as individuals and your charts together. And mm. there is a lot of power in having a random stranger online, a completely objective third party, get on the phone with you and validate things that you've been trying to summon the courage to admit to yourself, you're like, well, mm -hmm. damn, okay, yes. I guess then maybe I really should work on my boundaries because this stranger, this witch for hire just called me out. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. <laughs> so true. And I think that that's what's really important here is that we remember that the past is so informative but to me, I use the past to create trust because if I can tell that someone had a divorce in 2009, maybe they'll trust what I have to say next. <laughs> mm, and, that's true. and then from there, the rest of the chart is used to inform what's going on in their life. At what juncture have they reached where they need to do the work, where they need to be celebrated, where they need to be validated, and where they need to be lovingly challenged? And so it's my job to extrapolate that information, both from the chart and from what they're sharing, and to distill it into whatever it is that I can be a vessel for them to hear that day. And so I would say to answer your question, is it focused on past or future? I'd say that it's more of an experience of where you've been, what you're working with now, and how I can best support you for typically I project a year ahead from each reading. Mm -hmm. And you do such an incredible job of that. I mean, you're, you're like a basically a psychic. <laughs> it, that's how it felt. Um, you told the future for me, but mm -hmm. without having to... Yeah, I mean, you obviously call upon your intuition when you read the chart, but it's it's all there. Right. Right. It's all there for the taking. <laughs> and, and another thing, too, is that I intentionally 
want it to feel like magic because you are magic. You are a collection of space mm -hmm. dust particles and a human Ziploc flesh bag. Like, how is that even possible? Yes. And so, yes, I know. <laughs> but the the peek behind the curtain is that there's something called an ephemeris that tracks the movement of each planet down to the day and the degree going back hundreds of years and going forward hundreds of years. So the fact that I knew that June was a pivotal moment for you a year ago is because I did the math. So it's a really um. soulful experience on the other end of the table, but I really want to confirm to anyone listening that there's math and there are thousands of years of research backing up as the foundation for, yes, the, the intuitive nature of distilling that information. But I'm back here, you know, with a calculator taking my notes for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I'm really glad you said that because, you know, math or mathematics is one of those things that we don't really argue with. We're like, yeah, math, math is facts, right? Mm -hmm, you know, right. but no, people don't think about astrology as being math. And I was actually mm. on a recent podcast where we talked about whether or not everything was random or if it was all mathematically, mm. you know, made mm -hmm. sense. And he was on the air. He was airing on the side of everything is math. Like everything has its only piece in place. And I was like, is everything math? But the more I sort of progress into this, like, I don't know, like just diving into reality and like the dimensions and everything, it, it, it does come back to that. And so I'm really glad you said that because I don't think most people think of astrology as being mathematical. Although you're right, mm. there are these perfect degrees and measures that we have to right. follow. Astrology would not exist without math. It's plain and simple. We wouldn't know what your rising sign was. We wouldn't know what the aspects right. are because we have to know where the planets are in the sky. We have to be able to project out 10 years from now, where's Jupiter going to be? What degree? Where in the sky? What is it aspecting? Can you do the math? Can you find the 10 degree orb from the sun in a 120 degree trine so that we can know wow. if you're going to have the boost of Jupiter when that kid is born, right? And for this reason, I love women getting into astrology because historically, it was actually a male-dominated field because mathematicians were the original astrologers, and women right. were not allowed yeah. in the back room with the astrologers doing the math, drawing the charts, right? And that's why it's so powerful to see women reclaiming this tool, and it's also simultaneously mm. hilarious to see men shit on astrology because mathematicians and men, the patriarchy, had a closed door session on astrology for thousands of years and now we get to reclaim it and suddenly they're like oh, but are you kidding me <laughs> it's like okay you keep moving the goalposts back to maintain your fragility of ego that's fine yes. but yes. we're gonna yeah. use this powerful tool because it's our birthright yeah i feel like birthright. there needs to be a mic drop right now. let's just let's just drop it <laughs> boom yeah. let's just drop boom. it oh my god ocean that was the aries coming out it was. I'm here. Yep. <laughs> you get my like, Aries indeed. going. When you get two double Aries in a room, it's yes. it's gonna get heated. <laughs> we get spicy. I mean, and honestly, like your your readings, I'm glad that you talked about your readings being an experience because it really is that. I felt like it was like a one hour um movie. I'm just in my own movie, mm. like with Ocean. And it felt mm. like an entire, like I got to see my past and then also my future. And yeah, so for someone who wants to kind of know what karmic lessons they might be here to learn, what their purpose is, 
what would they need to look at in the chart? Mm. How would they find that? Do they have to find someone to read it? Or can we find, do you have any tools or tips on how we can kind of distill this information? Absolutely. So for someone who knows their sun sign and they want to know a little bit more, right? There are there are levels to this. So if you only know your sun sign, I would go on a birth chart calculator online um, or download an app and just start exploring the relationship between your sun, your moon, and your rising sign, right? The sun is the personality. The moon is the emotional body. The rising sign is the soul's identity and also the initial appearance, right? So kind of explore those three. And when you want to go deeper and you know those three, Saturn in your chart, which any birth chart calculator can tell you what sign your Saturn placement is in, the sign of Saturn is the life lesson that you signed up for. And the house of Saturn, where it is in the birth chart, is the area of your life where that lesson is going to come up the most often, right? So if someone has Saturn in the fourth house, then family is going to be the arena on which they are constantly tested, right? If Saturn is in the seventh house of relationships, then they came here to explore their life lesson through partnership and learn how to come back to their relationship to self. So it's really to think of it as an equation, right? Sign plus house equals flavor. And then the the equation gets more complex over time. Sign plus element plus house plus aspects equals Mm. flavor, right? Mm. So it's okay to start with just the sign, but what we need to be mindful of is that people don't write off astrology because they only know two plus two, and it actually gets much more advanced than two plus two, but there's nothing wrong with starting at basic arithmetic. It's just important. We know that it can go so much deeper and further. Oh my God, that's so true. It really is like literally math, mm-hmm. like starting with those basic formulas and then like going into crazy uh, like calculus, calculus and like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, rocket literally. science. Because when yeah. you mention aspects, that's that's and aspects and nodes. Those are where I'm a bit like, I mean, I have a better understanding now of the nodes, but mm-hmm. aspects, no idea. I just got into learning the houses. And I know, Gina, you want to know more about the houses, right? Yes. I have a cheat yes. sheet yeah. for this, actually. I have a really easy <gasps> way to learn the houses. First, learn the 12 signs, right? The essence of each sign corresponds with the essence of each house at the same number, Mm -hmm. right? So we know that the fourth sign is cancer, right? Your sign, Gina. The fourth house rules the home. It rules Mm. the the deeply subconscious mind. It rules your relationship to family, all qualities of cancer. So if you know that cancer is the fourth sign, then you know the qualities of cancer are imbued in the fourth house. So that's why it really is a math equation where you're just layering onto foundational knowledge. So for anyone who wants to learn the houses, I would say memorize the 12 signs first, and then the 12 houses will be very intuitive and streamlined. Mm, that's a really good tip. Yeah. So I helpful. Mean, learning the order really helped me, like understanding that Aries was first and then understanding that the first house is basically matters of the self. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, having Aries in, I think Aries is in my first house. I'm literally so selfish. No, and I just, you're I not. say that. Your Aries is your 11th house. So I... Oh, it is. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So 
You have three planets in Aries in your 11th house of community. So where we see your fire and your go-getter attitude is in cultivating community, in networking, in bringing people together. And that's exactly what this podcast and your TikTok and your whole platform and your monthly container is. You are the Aries leader in the 11th house of community and advancing humanity. The 11th house... uh, corresponds with the 11th sign Aquarius, which is ultimately the philosopher, the humanitarian. This is the area of life where if you have planets in the 11th house, you're here to push the needle forward for humanity. So the essence of your Aries, Sam, it's not selfish. It's not in the first house. It is the invitation to push humanity forward with your fire. That is the 11th house. Holy shit. That is. Wow. Also, my Saturn's in Aquarius. So I feel like that's, I mean, I'm, I'm completing my Saturn return. So I just felt this incredible push or not even push. It was a pull to mm. move into my purpose, which I really do feel like is to help people, you know, question the limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and wake up and live more fully and abundantly and joyfully yep. and really distilling these topics. And it's crazy because the more I ignored it, the more I think that's what the chart is showing me is that you can, you have free will, like you said at the beginning, you can do whatever you want, but I think you will feel resistance unless you live in alignment with it. What Mm -hmm. do you think? Absolutely. And (laughs) to your point, you have- So then we should, we should know our chart then and follow it. I think so. And I think in a perfect world, like in a, in a utopia, if you will, I would imagine that Every child's birth chart is taped to the desk in their homeroom. And when there's a conflict with a kid, the teacher knows, okay, their Mercury is in Taurus. They're just being a little stubborn. They need things more Mm bite-sized, more incremental. So me throwing all of this information rapid fire or expecting them to turn a project around really quickly is not conducive to their ideal communication and learning style, right? Imagine if we had this as a shared vocabulary vocabulary as a shared language mm. in those developmental stages. I mean, to your point, I think if there is a tool that could even boast the potential of being such a powerful resource, mm. you have to ask why would you reject that offhand? Why would you not even entertain it? Because now it's no longer about astrology. This is about the social constructs that you are living your life through, that you are forcing yourself to conform to. It's not about astrology at all when someone says they don't believe in it. I want to know what you went through in your life that meant you had to shut yourself off from anything that disagreed with that. That's what I want to know. Oh, my gosh. Another mic drop. Another mic drop. Another mic drop, yes. I mean, to your point as well, I mean, you brought something really important, which is how education is not individualized enough, right? And Mm -hmm. it's it's not empowering the traditional system of education. And I think about how, you know, growing up and learning how to simply, um, you know, take those standardized tests and that very rote memory, that only serves a very small portion of the population. Mm. Um, I think about like my brother all the time, like he is very smart, but he doesn't really process information in that way. Like I remember thinking growing up that he was 
Like he could have written like commercial jingles or something, like just something random and creative like that, which is intelligent, but you don't get graded on that in school. Yeah. Right. And I was actually really good at test taking, but I think that just probably corresponded with my chart. And then everyone thinks I'm smart, but I'm not actually smarter than my brother or these, these creatives. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, imagine if we did all know each other's chart and knew what our strengths were, and then we could measure I guess your intelligence by how well you're living up to like your gifts, how, how, right. yeah, how aligned you're with those instead of the traditional system of like what educated looks like. Like imagine if high school counselors had birth charts of their students. And when someone is at a fork in the road where they're like, do I go do medicine? Cause it's what my parents want. Or do I go mm. pursue, you know, psychology? And you're like, well, your midheaven is in Scorpio. Your career indicator is that you're here to really dig into the human experience and that you have a knack for psychology. And that tug you're feeling is reflected in your chart, right? But your Saturn is in Capricorn. So your life lesson is to transcend the influence of father. So that's why this is scary right now. What if someone could say that to a kid, figuring out how they're going to invest the next $80,000 in four years of their life, right? That'd be crazy. Well, I mean, even think about parenting. <laughs> Sam and I talk about parenting a lot. And I feel like there's uh, a lot of us are parenting from the way that our parents parented us. It's just this automatic uh, behavior instead of actually understanding what are the needs of this actual child and how do they need to be communicated to? How do they need to hear love? What you know, Even talking about the whole love language thing, which now I know is based on astrology. But <laughs> even, even that, like imagine if we knew that. And I mean, honestly, one of the reasons why Sam and I really wanted this this reading together was, I want to know how do I deal with Sam? Because her and I are so <laughs> different. You know, she is the one that she doesn't want to do any research. She's just going to start. I'm like, okay, let me read 10 books first. I'm going to plan out. Because my whole thing is, well, what if I don't want to do this in 10 years? Or if I do I this, like, that. what is that going to mean, um, you know, two years from now? And she's like, uh, why would you even think about that? And I'm like, how can you not think about that? <laughs> And so we've we've we're the way that we start things and approach new things um, is so different. And I'm I'm very feely, so I cling. Mm. You know, like I I want to latch onto things. And what I learned about Sam is that the more that I latch, the more that she wants to run. Mm. And if I didn't understand that as part of her sign and her, you know, and, instead of it being taking it personally, mm-hmm. of like she doesn't want to have me around, she doesn't want me to be near her, and has nothing to do with that, and more so about the way that she, you know, essentially functions through through her life. So right. very, very interesting. And that's an important discussion between, you know, around synastry as well. And that's why I think synastry can be such a delicate topic because we can understand, like I mentioned earlier, the ingredients for the recipe, mm-hmm. but we still have to trust that the chef isn't going to spit in the food, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... There is accountability always in the conversation with astrology. And it's like, okay, we know that Gina and Sam have a lot of headstrong aspects in their synastry and that there is a lot of growth and sometimes in the ultimate agreement to push each other to be the best you can be, there might be bumps sometimes right? Which is part of the human experience. But we also know that astrology aside, when we need to take accountability, when we need to own our shit, when we need to apologize. And I will say as a double Aries, my mentor said, 
I'm going to save years off of off of stress in your life and tell you the best thing you can do is learn how to apologize when that Aries goes off. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? honestly, <laughs> what? what do you mean? <laughs> you know what? I, I have to say sorry a lot. That's for sure. Yeah. Like same. I, <laughs> same. It's, especially with my my partner, my partner, it's it's just so funny like, looking at our charts because he's all Pisces and I'm I'm so much Aries like in within our big three he's Pisces sun Pisces rising and I'm Aries sun Aries moon um and he's Capricorn moon so just the way we react to things is very different and I'm at the beginning of the horoscope right and he's at the end so we just we see things completely differently and there's just so many times where I have to say I'm sorry I'm like I'm sorry that was my Aries but then sometimes I I don't want to okay, how do we work around this? Because sometimes I want to justify my actions through astrology. Mm -hmm. There have been so many times where I'm like, babe, can you just read this section right here on the computer about <laughs> Aries moon so that you can know that this is this is just how I am. But it's almost like I don't want to take responsibility for how I right. how I treat him sometimes because it's not conscious, but I just, I'm very snapped and quick to react. Like mm -hmm. I just immediately go into like a louder voice, like angry tone. And he he's like a sensitive being. He's yeah. Pisces. And yeah. he's, he's like, why are you being mean? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not. And then, <laughs> and then later I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have you read this astrological blueprint um about me so that you can understand yeah. so how do we not do that because i think that's a, a downfall and that's a really i want to speak to how to not use astrology and then i want to use astrology so we'll, we'll do okay. both <laughs> the first thing is the way that i sidestep deflecting accountability onto astrology is i'll start statements going, the story I'm telling myself right now is that mm -hmm. I have too much fire and that I'm walking on eggshells because my natural expression burns you. Mm. The story mm -hmm. I'm telling myself right now is, and the story could be backed up by what you know astrologically, but we have to own our version of reality so that we can find a middle ground with someone else's reality. And the beauty of like Aries and Pisces together is that you're the initiator and he's the end of the cycle. So you are <laughs> you are cosmically telling the same story just with different tools and mm -hmm. where that like the bumping happens is not Aries and Pisces it's Aries and Capricorn they're squaring each other right two cardinal signs 90 degrees apart and so his moon his emotional body is very rational it wants to deal in fact it wants to deal with what it knows for sure it has the sensitivity of the Aries of the Pisces sure but his emotional body wants to be very pragmatic and your emotional mm -hmm. body 90 degrees away in Aries is just Insane. do it go straight for it say what needs to be said and i think what's important about aries energy that really changed my perspective on it is part of being pushy and go 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 is how we show our love it is how we make contact with the world around us it is how we interface with the world 
And to a degree, we do need partners who understand that fire, who don't persecute that fire, who really recognize the difference between you just being in Aries mode and you being malicious about it. Because if they're being conflated as the same thing, of course there's going to be drama, you know? Mm, I'm going to make him listen to this section. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Timestamp this right now. (laughs) I'm like, you you need to listen to her explaining what happened with your Capricorn moon and my Aries moon. (laughs) And and just to validate him for a moment, Pisces contains a little bit of wisdom from every sign up until the 12th sign, right? Pisces has the ability to really see all sides and also this sensitivity to recognize when someone else is trapped in their own story. And so it can feel really isolating to have a lot of Pisces and to feel like your opinion or perspective isn't being seen because you are have a built-in bird's eye view at all times. And then he's got that really pragmatic moon that might make it hard for him to advocate for himself because it's so responsible and Pisces is so sensitive that Aries is the charge in and get shit done and do what needs to be done sign. So Figuring out where you meet in the middle with those qualities is a beautiful exchange of energy. Um, and I'm not just mm-hmm. saying that because I have to live with it as someone with three planets in <laughs> in Pisces and three Aries placements. Like, I have that going on internally. So your relationship is wow. like the conversation in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. That's so cool. That's so true. Wow. But that's beautiful. I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, I've talked to some people, I mean, even leading up to this recording about astrology and their opinions of it. And every once in a while, you talk to somebody who's like, my husband included, you know, I'm a Leo, but I'm not a Leo. Like they don't resonate with that sign. So how do you explain that? So that is the indicator to dig deeper because there might be Mm. something in your chart that is more heavily aspected, right? Someone might be a Leo, but what if it's their only placement in fire? They've got 90% of the rest of their chart competing with the narrative behind Leo, right? So there's so much more going on behind the scenes. And in that case, like whether it's with me or someone else, I do recommend the introduction to your astrology being with a professional reading first and then going off and researching the tidbits and the inner workings of it. Once you have someone who's like laid out the mat and showed you how to use the the map keys, right? Um, but that being said, Ironically, Leo is one of the most misunderstood signs. So totally, that is the sign that I hear people say the most. I don't feel like a Leo. When people say, I don't Mm. feel like my sign, I'd say 60% of the time they're Leos. And the reason for this is that Leo, the Sunday paper stereotype is they're a prima donna, love love attention. They're super good with people, blah, blah, blah. The flip side of Leo is that they have to overcome imposter syndrome first. That they might be here to learn how to take up space. Not necessarily they're a Leo because they already know how. They might have come here to learn how to do that. Well, Gina, that makes so much sense because you have Leo in your big three. Yeah, that's my moon. Mm. Yeah. Especially so when we add that factor into the equation with the placement, Moon and Leo is permission 
to validate your emotional body and to not seek validation externally and delegate the responsibility of your own emotional body. Moon and Leo is I have permission to feel my feelings. I have permission to come first and I'm not a bitch because of it. And you need to take my fire and deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, That well, that really reflects something that's going on in her life right now. So let's just say astrology, astrology it, has it's, it all. It's, it's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. <laughs> it's not something to believe in. It's just something to really um, illuminate, right? To mm. illuminate aspects of your life. It's not a like you said. It's not a belief system. It is really a powerful tool. And I mean, we're we're so mind blown today with all the things you've provided us. And if you're not convinced already, like you need a reading from Ocean. It's quite the experience. Mm. Thank you. Before we close (laughs) off, I wanted to just ask another question about the big three. And can you explain maybe just the connection between the three so that people can kind of look that up and maybe make their own, you know, do their own research on that? Totally. So your sun is the sign that you know. When someone says, I'm a Pisces, they're referring to their sun sign. And your birthday is a solar return because it takes 365 days for the sun to come back to that spot in that sign, right? So your sun is your core expression. Just like the sun is the center of our solar system, it's the center of your own personal story, which means it also rules the ego. And like the sun, it can burn really bright. So whenever we're operating from a place of ego, it's important to examine the low road of the sun and go, where am I indulging my sun a little bit too much, right? But this is your core expression. And that's what I love about uh, the sun in astrology is that it's kind of like you're making a pasta dish, but you have a, a box of pasta and someone's like, well, you know, we're not even talking about the sauce and the toppings and everything else that goes with it. So you might be rigatoni, but you might be, uh, you know, um, a red sauce moon and like a parsley rising. Like there's, we're adding on to it now. So your sun is your core ah. expression, but your moon is your emotional temperament. It's how you process your feelings. It's how you react to things, right? It's the the part of us that we're the most like when we're alone. When we're left to our own devices, the moon comes out much like in the night sky, right? But then there are situations where the sun also has to come out and overshadows it a little bit. And so some people might have a stronger moon sign, like more extroverted moon sign than sun or vice versa with the rising. And that's the people who say, oh, I don't sound like my sun, right? I was one of those people. Mm. I'm a Pisces sun, which is water. It's sensitive. It's quiet, but I'm not do I? I don't sound quiet. I never shut up. <laughs> and that's because I have a fire moon. And the fire moon is a louder influence in my big three. So basically, wow. the question you want to ask is where you are currently in your life, what voices are the loudest? By looking up just the descriptions of your sun, your moon, and your rising, which one do you associate the most with? And this is going to really reveal where you go to in moments of stress or reactivity or when you're showing love, right, to understand as if they were just on your, like, internal council of elders. When you go to a certain place, what energy are you using? And then finally, the rising sign, 
This one is the most nuanced. There are there's a little bit of discourse in the community based on whatever form of astrology you study. The rising sign rules the physical identity, the appearance. That's why it's associated with the first house of identity and self. But it's also your soul in esoteric astrology. And here's the key. This is how you can remember it. It's called the rising sign because it's what you came here to rise into. So when people say, I don't sound like my rising sign, it's because they're still here to put in work to ascend into their ascendant. Ascendant and rising mean the same thing. And so it's not a coincidence that that's the sign that sometimes people don't totally know how to clock right away. Because when I was younger, I didn't feel like an Aries rising. It was really nerve-wracking to stand up for myself or to disagree with the group at large and to push outside the status quo, to be pushy at all, right? Over time, as I have grown up, Aries rising, I have risen into Aries and I'm way more Aries than I was as a kid because I've been ascending into it this whole time. So the TLDR, your sun is your ego, your sense of self, your moon is your emotional body and your rising sign is how you appear and who you're meant to be. And someday Mm. in a perfect world, those will be the same thing. Wow. That was so good. I think that's going to help so many people who are really confused about sun, moon versus rising. Good. Yeah. And, and how that really plays a part in, in their own life and how they can apply that. I love that. That was such a beautiful explanation. That was so good. Well, Ocean, we've kept you for so long. So we have one final question. Obviously on this podcast, um, we're called Spiraling Higher, which is all about healing and rising higher in consciousness. And so we're curious to know what is the thing that you've had to spiral through or rather the hardest thing for you to have healed Mm. and are still healing? The, The one that comes to mind is the matriarchal wounds that get passed down from mother to daughter to mother to daughter to mother to daughter. And I'm actually working on a whole album right now that is dedicated to intergenerational healing. And I have songs dedicated to my mother, to my grandmother, to the women in my lineage, and to the stories that I'm having to rewrite as a result of healing the mother wound. And I have a pretty prominent mother wound in my own birth chart. And the nuance of people love you the best way they know how. Mm. And people do the best with the tools that they have. And it's up to us to finish what they started. It's up to us to do better. And so for me, spiraling higher is not getting stuck in that narrative of what I didn't have or what I wish those relationships had looked like, but knowing Mm -hmm. my grandmother and great-grandmother were estranged on, on her deathbed and watching how this story has trickled down generation after generation and going, I'll be damned if I continue that story. And what work do I have to do to spiral higher to rewrite it? So... I'd say that's something that I'm consciously addressing in my life through art, through astrology, um, and actually a verse on a song 
that I'm working on, it says, I don't hold it against her. She was just a child. She was doing her best, and that was her best for a while. Now show me a love oh I can believe in. Maybe then we'll be even. I'm literally crying. Me too. Oh my gosh. Ocean. Um, you know, for two, you're talking to two women who also have mother wounds. Um, we love our mothers. They're beautiful people. But when you said that they did, they loved us the best that they could with what they had. And like you said, it's our job now. It's mm. higher. And that is what this podcast is all about. And so thank you. Ooh, I'm wondering you um, so much. where can people hear your songs and, and find you as an astrologer and, you, you know, drop, drop everything. Where can they get a reading? How can they join your membership? How can they listen to your music? Mm. Let us know where we can connect with you. First, I just want to say thank you so much. I've had full body chills like this whole podcast. Same. And you too. I've, been, I've cried four times. <laughs> <laughs> the grand trine in water is just is here yes. for us <laughs> so thank you so much for setting this space for holding this intention and for being a vessel for healing and exploration you two are truly visions together and individual um so thank you for being you and for having me on here um i do have a foot in astrology and a foot in music. So for information on readings and programs, you can go to witchykid.com. And I'm at witchykid on Instagram. And for content that I disassociate from because I don't think real people know me on TikTok and then that turns out to not be true, I'm at Ocean Pleasant, <laughs> my name, on TikTok. Mm. And my music is under Ocean Pleasant on all streaming platforms. However, the album Healing Intergenerational Trauma and Whatnot is in progress, but I imagine a single will be coming out soon along those lines. So... <laughs> You're amazing. You're a vision. Oh my gosh. Gina, final word. Oh my God. I'm like, Whoa, I don't I don't know how to do justice to close off this episode because there was just so much, so much in there. Um, I cannot wait to hear this single. Can we please have like a Zoom listening party? <laughs> I would love we will that. Definitely, That's such a good idea. We'll definitely update the show notes when it does come out and we'll put it yes. in here so that people who got full body chills like I did when you explained your album can listen in because I mean, how does it get more healing than that? I mean, no. what? this is incredible. And I do want to say, so much. I know we're like, we're trying to wind it down for a minute now, but <laughs> when you said earlier, when you two started talking about you know, family and you always feel like you have to add a cliff note of, oh, but they're great and I love them and it's not that bad. And I know it like that for me, the healing is I don't have to explain mm. myself, my story, my experience. All I have to do is own it and tell it and mm. do better for my future generation. And it's so healing to hear you two talk about it because for me, even astrology is the permission slip that multiple things can be true at once and someone can love us the best way they know how and it could also still really freaking hurt. And mm, yeah. what do we do with that information? We spiral higher and with the help of women like you who make it possible and hold a container and a vessel. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful you had me on. I adore you both <laughs> so much and it's been a real treat. 
Oh my gosh, you, thank you so much. You're unbelievable. You are unbelievable. Oh my gosh, the people who are, lis- who are listening to this are going to get so much value. And I know that everyone was like looking up their charts like while they were listening, I'm sure. Totally. <laughs> and um, I hope so many more people get to just witness your magic. I mean, that's why you're in my container too, because I'm obsessed with you. Like literally everything word that comes out of your mouth. I swear, Ocean, you must, you must channel when you read these charts where it doesn't, it must not feel like you sometimes when you're talking. Do you feel that way? It's just like a download. I've been resistant to to say it. like to say that or to label it that way, but someone actually called me a channel last night and I was resistant to it then and I'm like, "Oh, it's just I've never articulated it that way." But I think mm. my south node is Pisces. I think I've been an astrologer for lifetimes and wow. And I can just ta- kind of tap into that and channel it in a way that, mm. you know, doesn't require. So I can, I can feel it. I can feel that you are channeling when you're talking actually. Mm. So you got to own that. Thank you. I'm starting to, I'm starting to own that as well. And it's really weird because your, your conscious mind doesn't have a way of explaining that. Mm. It, it just thinks you're a lunatic, mm. yeah. but <laughs> there is, there is something really beautiful happening. And I can tell, I can tell when you read charts. I've seen you read many people's charts now in real time. And just even in this conversation, I can feel that the mental left brain side of you, like it takes a walk and like a different part of you really steps forward. Mm. And it was so beautiful to witness. Wow. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for pushing me to step into that more and own that. I kind of needed that because I've been compartmentalizing and be like, oh no, it's just a lot of practice and study. But I think it does come from somewhere deeper and higher and I really appreciate you seeing that in me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. Here's to spiraling higher.